0: Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the Family Life Boosters. We're going to continue today and we're going to be looking at part four, stewarding your peace, stewarding your peace. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word and the word of your power. And we really ask, Lord, that you would come by your spirit and you would teach us, you would train us up, Lord, into righteousness. We pray for your blessing over our family lives. And we thank you, God, that you're taking us from good to great. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk about the subject of peace. I don't know what you experience in your family life, but for a lot of people Home is not a place where there's peace. You know, one of the things people struggle with today is what we call hurry sickness. There's such a stressful, uh, fast-paced life that people are living at. And sometimes, unfortunately, they don't get space at home just to rest and just to relax. And I believe that one of the things that will boost your family life is if you come to a place of valuing peace, You know that peace is part of the fruit of the Spirit. We talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. So when you are born again, when you are born of the Spirit, one of the products of that is peace. But what is peace? Let's unpack that a little bit and let's see what the Lord will minister to us today. The word peace is the Greek word Irene. That's where we get the name Irene from. And uh, when you look at its uh, derivatives, um, you look at this verb, which basically it comes from a verb which speaks of to reconcile. It speaks of uh, to be at peace. It speaks of to make peace. So when we're talking about peace, we're not just talking about Peace internally, we're also talking about peace relationally, and that's what my focus for today is going to be. Peace internally, which then manifests into relational peace. So we're talking about reconciling, we're talking about being at peace, we're talking about making peace, right? Uh, Not just being a peacekeeper, some people avoid conflicts, they're peacekeepers, they're not peacemakers. Uh, We're talking about oneness also. One of the meanings of that word, irene, is actually um, oneness as opposed to being divided. So if you talk about the divided self, where you're one thing to, uh, to the outside world and something else on the inside, that self is divided. It's not at peace. Part of being at peace is being at one, joined, okay? The same, not duplicitous, right? It also speaks of quietness and rest quietness and rest. It speaks of to join, to tie together into a whole. So when we talk about wholeness, we're also talking about being at peace. It is such a powerful concept, peace, and I believe it needs to be taught in the body of Christ. Now in God's kingdom, we're called to peace. We're called to peace. And in this message, I'm going to explore what this really means and how to avoid losing our peace. Let's have a look at uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to read here, and I think it's uh, so powerful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace, and be thankful. So God is calling us to have the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. If you are always anxious the peace of Christ is not ruling in your heart. If you are always troubled, worried, concerned, the peace of Christ is not ruling in your heart. And it's interesting who gives that peace permission. The Bible in Colossians says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So God has given me stewardship over myself, over my heart, and I'm required to allow God's peace to rule question, are you allowing God's peace to rule your hearts or are you allowing something else to rule? And Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. So we are called out of certain things, but we're also called to certain things. And one of those things we've been called to as members of Christ's body is we've been called to peace. We've been called to peace and we cannot have productive family life without peace. You see, when you are continuously fretting and anxious, it means the peace of Christ is not ruling in your heart. You see, peace is internal first, and then it manifests relationally. The reason why a lot of people struggle in their relationships with other people is simply because they're not at peace internally. They're not at peace with themselves. What's interesting is if you look at Proverbs 17, verse 1, I want to ask you a question. Is your family life like this? It says, better a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. This is the state of many families today. They may be affluent, but there's so much strife. We're called to value peace more than feasting. And the sad thing is many people today value feasting over peace. The key to overcoming this This issue of strife, this issue of lack of peace, is actually understanding that God is the source of true peace. You know that Jesus is even called by this term. If you look in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isn't it amazing, out of all the references that could have been made with regards to the character of Christ, four were chosen. And one of them is the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Question, is the Prince of Peace ruling in your heart? Remember, it doesn't say the Prince, Prince of Love. It doesn't say the Prince of Power. It says the Prince of Peace. Is the Prince of Peace ruling in your heart? You see, learning to steward your peace is a primary aspect of Christian discipleship. It's something we need to teach the people who we are mentoring, the people who we are discipling. Why do I call it stewarding your peace? It's because God is the source of peace, right? He's the the God of peace. Jesus is described as the Prince of Peace. He then gives us his peace and it's up to us to steward that peace. We can give the peace away, we can keep it within ourselves, or we can disallow God from allowing us to have that peace in the first place. That's why it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Are you going to let his peace rule? Or are you not going to let his peace rule? Look at it in Luke chapter 10. Luke and Luke. Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 5 to 6. Jesus is sending out his disciples. And he says, when you enter a house... First, say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. So, can you see that in the same way that anxiety is infectious and spreads easily, peace can also be passed on? So, we are stewards of peace. I can go into an environment, and I often do this when I'm visiting people, when I've spent time with people in their homes, I'll say, I leave my peace here. I leave my peace here. Imagine that. God gives us the power to actually pass on and impart his peace. And the nature of his peace, it's not ordinary peace. It's not worldly peace. Jesus says, the peace I give unto you is not as the world gives. So there's a false peace. There's a counterfeit peace that the world gives where people take drugs and they're like, oh, I just felt so peaceful, right? Or they get into some kind of relationship or they uh, get into some kind of subculture and there's a false peace that they experience. Even Christians sometimes run after a false sense of peace. You know, people become dependent on certain substances and they're like, yes, oh, I just feel this peace when I drink this alcohol, right? Instead of going to the Prince of Peace, Instead of going to the Prince of Peace, who gives you a type of peace that is unique and it's different to the peace that the world gives you. That peace as we receive it, we're able to impart it to others. The peace of God then rests on someone. So Jesus actually gave them that instruction saying, you can actually declare peace. You can actually say peace to this house. And in Hebrew culture, they would greet each other that way. They would say shalom, which is broader than what we call peace. It's actually universal flourishing. And they would say peace be with you, peace be with you, peace be with you. There's power in releasing peace. My question to you is in your family life, are you releasing peace? Or when you open your mouth, are you releasing anxiety? Are you releasing fear? Are you releasing envy? What are you releasing? Are you releasing things that cause fear and cause uh, people to be defiled? Or are you releasing the peace of God? I'm telling you right now, family life changes when your family is characterized by the peace of God. It changes, literally. Romans 16, verse 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. This is so powerful. God is described as the God of peace. And it's this God of peace who will soon crush Satan under your feet. And I find it interesting because this shows me that peace is a spiritual weapon. It's a weapon of warfare. Someone once said, rest will be your weapon. You see, when you're at a place of peace, you can exercise spiritual warfare in a very powerful way. Very often when the enemy wants to mess you around, he'll get you into a place of fretting. He'll get you into a place of anxiety. Right? But the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. I believe that one of the keys to our breakthrough, one of the keys in our warfare spiritually, is actually when we come to a place of walking in peace. And this God of peace within us will soon crush Satan. I'm telling you that right now. Peace is a weapon that guards your heart. It doesn't say the God of love or the God of joy, it says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. This is so powerful. You see, today his peace is working in and through you, and it will be a weapon of righteousness against the enemy, against the enemy. You see, often in warfare, the enemy's strategy is to get you to lose your peace. When did you last lose your peace? You see, your peace can be robbed from you. That's why it's important to guard your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs 4, 23, guard your heart for from it flows the issues of life. Why do we need to guard our heart? Often it's because that's where that peace is. And I need to guard my peace. I need to keep my peace, you see. And often when the enemy comes against you to cause you to fret, it's because he can see your past patterns. He knows the things that throw you. He knows the things that make you lose your peace. I want to highlight here that peace is not the avoidance of conflict and pain. And that's why it says the God of peace will soon crush Satan. I mean, that seems like it's an act of violence, doesn't it? It doesn't seem that peaceful. It's almost like an oxymoron. We're saying, what? The God of peace? Maybe you should say the the mighty God will crush Satan. No, but it's the God of peace. It's The God of peace who crushes Satan. You see, peace is not the avoidance of conflict and pain. Sometimes we actually need to go through seasons of pain to get to a place of peace. I don't know if you've ever had uh, a tooth pulled out. It can be quite sore, right? It can be quite sore, tooth extraction, right? Uh, Or root canal treatment, whatever thing you've had with your teeth, it often is very sore. But guess what? Whatever pain you had been experiencing, in your mouth ends up going away and you end up being at peace but to get to that place of peace you have to go through pain so i want to encourage you if it means confronting someone sometimes we do that as peacemakers if it means giving feedback sometimes we do that as peacemakers so that we come to a place of peace with that particular person look at what jesus says Uh, And he's quoting Micah 7. You see this in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through to 40. He says, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to the earth. But he's the prince of peace and he's saying this. He says, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father, here's the point, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Verse 40, anyone who welcomes you welcomes me, and anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. You see, it is one thing to be persecuted because of your beliefs, and quite another thing to always be fighting people because of your poor interpersonal skills. You see, the nature of God's peace is such that we are people who bring reconciliation but you know what sometimes it comes through confrontation sometimes it comes through transparency sometimes it comes through difficult conversations and there are other times when we are obeying god and we get persecuted and it's not a peaceful environment and that's why jesus says i did not come to bring peace i'm hoping you got that okay So if you engage in some kind of conflict or you're hated by people because you're doing the right thing, it doesn't mean, oh, you're not being a peacemaker. No, you're just following Jesus. But if you're the kind of person who's always fighting people, someone was telling me about their mother uh, recently, they're saying, my mother is always involved in fights with people. There's always some issue she's telling me about And this person was unpacking this and they were basically talking about how their mom is in terms of interpersonal conflict. All right. And that's what we want to address today, because some of you in your family life, you're going through a lot of tension, a lot of strife. Not because you're being persecuted for righteousness, which is what Jesus is talking about here, but simply because you are not at peace with yourself and it manifests in your interpersonal skills. You see, God is our source of peace and therefore we are stewards of this peace. You see, God is a God of peace and calls us to be stewards of peace. And you know what? Sometimes getting to a place of peace will involve those difficult conversations. It will involve conflict resolution, but the result is peace. So peace is the internal first. Being at peace with yourself, Not full of guilt, no guilt, no condemnation, but just having a clear conscience. A lot of people today are not at peace with themselves. And that's a bit of a problem. And it manifests in the way they end up relating to everyone around them. In John 14, 27, the Bible says, Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. So he gives us this peace. Isn't this powerful? My peace I give you. Wow. He's not giving us the world's peace. He's giving us his peace. I do not give to you as the world gives. So the world does give out peace, okay? Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's my responsibility. You see, we let our hearts be troubled. We allow them to be troubled. What are you giving your heart permission to do? I like the way the psalmist says it. Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. His spirit is commanding his soul to line up with God's word and to put his hope in God. You see, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace and he epitomizes peace. Kingdom peace is so unique. One of the things we learn about stewardship and stewarding your peace is that peace can be received by you and it can also be robbed from you. Do you know the things that rob you of peace? Think about that. Do you know the things that rob you of peace? Often people will say, Paul, my job is so stressful. And I say to them, your job is not stressful. You have stressful moments at work. And when you do an emotional log on yourself, you can actually see that, wait a minute, this is the thing robbing me of my peace at work. Oh, I'm really fine until I have a meeting with that person. Then my peace goes away. Guard your heart and keep your peace because your peace is a weapon that will help you in your warfare. These are weapons of righteousness that we must fully embrace. In Proverbs 14 verse 30, the Bible says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So powerful. When you're envious, it robs you of peace. When you're envious, it robs you of peace, doesn't it? You notice someone gets a bonus, receives a bonus, and they're very happy until they start seeing what other people got. Then they're unhappy. You see this with children in a family setting, very excited about what's happened in their lives until they begin to compare and they begin to covet what other people have. I'm telling you, envy is something that robs us of peace. Comparison is something that will rob you of peace. You're very happy with your performance in class until you see what your friend got. And then you're like, oh, how come they got this? Sometimes you've even done better than them, but you kind of feel like, oh, but, but, but you know what? I only beat them by 2%. And your peace goes away. So when you're envious, it robs you of peace. Peace in your heart has a positive impact on your health. The Bible says envy rots the bones, but a heart of peace gives life to the body. Do you want your body to be quickened with life? Then have a heart full of peace. It's a known fact that so many illnesses today are psychosomatic. So many illnesses today stem from stress. There's research that has been conducted that shows there's such a high percentage of illnesses today that stem from stress. Think of the hypertension people are going through today. Think of high blood pressure. Think of all these uh, diseases, modern day diseases as we call them. All right. Uh, It's important to understand that peace is internal first, then it's external and relational. So we are at, we're supposed to be at peace with ourselves first. Clear conscience, doing the right thing, knowing that as I'm going through my day, there's nothing to hide. I can be transparent with you. Now here's the thing, respectful confrontation often provides clarity, which tends to produce peace. It's so important to understand that. When you're a peacemaker, you're that person who's open to having respectful confrontation with people because that produces clarity, doesn't it? And the result of that is peace, is peace. Sometimes you're not at peace with yourself because you actually haven't confronted a situation. I'm just wanting you to be so clear that You can be an assertive person. You can be someone who's clear and direct and you're full of peace. On the other hand, you can be a doormat who avoids conflict, but you're just not at peace. You're always boiling with certain things inside of you. Whatever you resist will persist. It will come out in other ways and you'll explode one day on someone. So here's the thing. We're responsible for the level of peace in which we walk. If you call yourself a child of God, then a key characteristic of yours is that you're a peacemaker. Look look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. In other words, God himself is a peacemaker. He's a reconciler, isn't he? And when we act like God, we are called children of God. So many people will call themselves children of God, but they're not peacemakers. And there's a blessing for being a peacemaker. So what does a peacemaker look like? Just think about your family setup and ask yourself, am I a peacemaker? The first thing is peacemakers pursue peace with each other. Have you noticed that someone who wants to be at peace with you, there's a certain way they behave. You know, they will go for win-win, not win-lose when it comes to just having conversations uh, with you, okay? If you look in the book of Psalms 34, verse 14, Bible says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Are you seeking peace? Are you pursuing peace? Peace for yourself internally, so you set boundaries so that you're a place of peace, okay? You guard your heart, you guard your space, but also peace Relationally, And I'm telling you right now, someone who actively pursues peace will always be looking for win-win agreements, not win-lose. They'll always be thinking, but how is this other person feeling when they leave my presence? Some of you sometimes love winning arguments. But you know that you can win an argument with your son, with your daughter, with your spouse. If you win an argument with your spouse, you can feel good about yourself, but the marriage is lost. Are you a peacemaker? Are you pursuing peace? And what does that look like in your life and in your relationships? The second thing is that peacemakers reconcile others to God and to each other. They're always appealing to people and saying, hey, are are things right with God? As long as you're right with God, then that's great. They want you to be reconciled to God, to be right with God first. And then they love it when people get along with each other. So very often they are peacemakers, okay, and they act as mediators when, they, when it comes to conflict. So if you are bad-mouthing someone behind their back to cause division, right, so that someone else doesn't like them, right, that's not being a peacemaker. I must be saying to myself, when I speak to my children about my wife, do they, does, is the result that, Uh, Does it result in them liking my wife more, honoring my wife more, okay? I was counseling a couple uh, today, and they were just talking about that. And I said, don't be competitive with each other. And the guy was saying, yeah, I kind of feel sometimes my wife, you know, does A, B, C, D, and then the children don't like me as much, right? And you hear that story, whether it's true or not, but when there's competitiveness between couples, You see this manifesting in how they speak about each other to their children, okay? You see this type of envy happening amongst children. Something to look out for, something to watch out for, okay? So peacemakers reconcile others to God and to each other. They will say things to someone to help them to trust someone else more, to appreciate another person more. This is so, so crucial. The third thing I want to say is that peacemakers solicit feedback to check if a relationship is intact. So they're always trying to right wrongs. They're always trying to engage with someone and say, are we cool? Are things still fine? All right. I remember one of my sons, uh, I was reprimanding him for something recently. And in a few hours later, he said, so dad, me and you, are we cool? Are we cool? And I thought, that's great. He's being a peacemaker. He wants to make sure that the relationship is right. Okay. Peacemakers solicit feedback to check if a relationship is intact. Peacemakers right wrongs through restitution. Hey, I did this to you. This is what I'm going to do to make up for it. Oh, I used your vehicle without asking. It put you out in terms of running errands, etc. But you know what? I've filled your tank. You know what? I'll take it for the service. Next time it needs a service, I will take it. All right. Um, You're righting wrongs. Hey honey, I've been working flat out the last two weeks and I know you haven't seen much of me. I'm really sorry that I haven't actually engaged with you concerning your issues because I know you're going through quite a tough time. But you know what? To make up for it, guess what? I've organized someone to look after the kids and I've made a booking for two nights at your favorite resort. Okay, That's restitution. Peacemakers do those kinds of things. It costs them, yes, but they're doing it so that they remain at peace with the other person. They're pursuing peace with the other person. Are there situations in your family life right now where you need to make restitution because you're a person who's pursuing peace? Just think about it. Peacemakers seek to rebuild trust when it's been eroded. Andy Stanley once said, you cannot talk your way out of something that you behaved your way into. And this is so important. You can't just go up to someone and just say, hey, brother, sister, or whoever it is, mom, dad, just trust me, just trust me on these things. If you've eroded trust, you need to do certain things that rebuild trust, okay? And that's so important. People who are peacemakers do so. Now, if you're not a peacemaker, If you're not a peacemaker, these are some of the characteristics. You'll be that type of person who likes to offend or irritate people on purpose. Now, it's one thing if you are walking in righteousness and it irritates someone. Well, you know what? The nature of the gospel is that it's offensive. But if you've got certain habits that offend people, if you've got an interpersonal style that irritates people, if you're someone who always likes pranking people, right? And they always come out second best, and it's not creating a pleasant environment. You're not a peacemaker. Peace is something that you make. Peace does not just happen. You know, it's not like you just wake up and there's just always peace, all right? It's peacemakers who create a climate of peace. It's peacemakers who release words that bring about peace. And that's why sometimes I'll go into certain homes and I can feel the tension. Other times I might go into certain environments and I just say, wow, this is so peaceful. It's so peaceful. It didn't just become peaceful. Peace was released. Peace was created. There were stewards of peace in that environment and they knew how to activate peace. So you are not a peacemaker if you like to offend or irritate people on purpose. You're not a peacemaker if you intentionally disturb the peace in any environment. You're not a peacemaker if you keep telling people things last minute that throw them off balance. Okay, simply because you've got low emotional intelligence, so you you don't work on your timing. Or you're just generally disorganized. If you're generally disorganized, resulting in chaos for everyone else, okay, then there's a problem there. There's a problem there. You are not a peacemaker. If you're the kind of person who panics easily, you know, some people who panic easily and are always stressed out, they want everyone to know, right? And sometimes they're offended if you're not as stressed out as them. They they take comfort in the fact that they're they're not the only one panicking. They want everyone else to panic. Then you're not a peacemaker. If you release words that spread anxiety as opposed to words of hope, then you're not a peacemaker. It's so important to understand that order brings peace. God is a God of order. If you look at Paul when he was actually addressing the church at, at Corinth, okay, he would talk about this, and I'll touch on this in a while. In James chapter three, verses 17 to 18, it says, "But the wisdom that comes from heaven, wisdom from above, is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy." and good fruit impartial and sincere peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness this is such a powerful scripture with regards to being a peacemaker it says that the wisdom from above is peace-loving it loves peace there's so many people who think they're wise but it's not wisdom from above because when they speak they're arrogant when they speak They're condescending. They're not peace loving. When they speak, they provoke on purpose to irritate the people, to offend the other people. Right. So that's something to be careful of. In verse 18, it then says, peacemakers who sow in peace. You see, when you are a peacemaker, you reap a harvest of righteousness. It says peacemakers who sow in peace. So you can sow in peace or you can sow in discord. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness has a harvest. This is a reward. This is a reward. When I sow in peace, there's a harvest of righteousness that I will experience. Okay? There's a fruit of righteousness that I'll experience. I want that. That's my portion. You see, uh, there's a guy called Rory uh, Sinoground, and he said, Every seed sown always produces a harvest. Where there is a seed sown, there is a harvest on its way. Are you sowing in peace or are you sowing in discord? If you sow in peace, there's a harvest of righteousness. When you sow in peace, you will reap a harvest of many virtues that you wanted to see in that environment. In a climate of peace, good things come forth, so crucial. So how do we keep our peace? What are some practical things you can do to keep peace? The first thing is avoid envy. Don't be envious. Avoid envy. In Proverbs 14 verse 30, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. When you're envious, it robs you of peace. Run your own race. Look at the results of envy. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 4, talking about Joseph and his brothers. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Can you see what envy does? It stops you from being able to speak a kind word concerning someone. And this is what happens when the spirit of envy is resting on someone. Have you noticed that whenever you speak well of that other person, The envious person always has to sort of balance it, always has to put in a word that takes away from the praise that you've just given the other person. You see, they could not speak a kind word to him. Was that a house full of peace? There was no peace there. Imagine that. Imagine what was going on there when you've got all these brothers, these are large families we're talking about, and they cannot speak a kind word to you. The second thing to do when you want to keep your peace, single-minded obedience, single-minded obedience, being a doer of the word single-mindedly will give you a clear conscience which results in peace. If you look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 9, it says, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, right? That's how we disciple people. They learn from what we tell them, right? What we show them and there's impartation, what you've received from me, what you've heard from me, and what you've seen in me. So we disciple people through modeling. It says, practice these things. So be a doer of the word. And then what happens? And the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will not be with you when you're not a doer of the word with single-minded devotion. When you're practicing what is right, when you know that you are doing the right thing. You have a clear conscience and you're full of peace. It says, the God of peace will be with you. And it's interesting again, he doesn't say the God of love, the God of the mighty God. He's specifically talking about the God of peace manifesting himself in and through you when you are practicing what you know is the right thing. In Isaiah 48, it says, there is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked You see, wickedness results in lack of peace. And you know, it's interesting because we looked at that word peace, the word irene, it speaks of oneness, not divided. And so the double-minded man, it says in the book of James, is unstable in all his ways and should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Are you double-minded? Are you double-souled, suke, the soul, right? If you are, then you will not experience peace. When you're single-minded, you're an authentic person. You're not trying to project an ideal image to please the world, yet something else completely different is taking place on the inside. Okay, That causes lack of peace. It causes anxiety. Watch out for that. Okay. So when we are off-center, we need to confess and repent. You see, what confession and repentance do is they help you to be at peace with yourself. When you carry guilt and condemnation, you're bound by the fear of punishment. And if you always live in that fear of punishment, it's very unpeaceful. It's an unpeaceful state to be in. A clear conscience will bring you peace. The third thing to do if you want to keep your peace is knowing how valuable you are to God. This is so important. You see, knowing this will help you not to worry. When you know that, wait a minute, I'm so precious to God. He protects me. He'll provide for me. In Matthew 6, 25 to 27, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What are you worrying about? Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. Do you worry about your body? What you will wear. Do you worry about what you wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What is Jesus communicating? He's saying when you worry and you're anxious, it's not actually helping you. You can't add anything to your life by doing so. In fact, you actually take away. But he addresses this in a very powerful way. He says, are you not much more valuable than they? What he's implying here is when you have a revelation of your value to God, when you really understand how much care he took when he created you, the result of that is you'll be at peace. You'll be at peace. So it's important that we renew our minds in this particular area. Very often the source of worry, the source of lack of peace is lack of of revelation, of the value we have in God's eyes. So important to understand this. The fourth thing that keeps you at peace is keeping your mind on God. Again, so important. Isaiah 26, verse three. I'm gonna read from the New King James Version. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You see, when we're talking about being at peace, One of the meanings is being set on, when your mind is set on God, okay, you're at peace. When you keep shifting, you lack peace. And God keeps you in perfect peace to the degree to which your mind is fixed and stayed on the Lord. But that's now up to you to choose to do so, okay? And then it goes on to say, and it says in scripture, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that so powerful? And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, comprehension. So it's not an ordinary peace, okay? Will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So peace guards your mind. Peace guards your heart. Isn't that powerful? When you don't have peace, you actually open a door where the enemy can besiege your mind, but peace guards it, okay? So as a weapon of warfare, peace has a protective element to it, okay? It's like a shield that guards you. In Philippians 4, 7 to 8, the Bible says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And what's the result of that? And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How do you come to a place of that kind of peace? Well, choose what your mind will be set on. Choose what your mind will be fixed upon. So important. This is how you guard your inner peace. When you value it, you guard it, you guard and protect that which you value. The fifth thing to do in order to protect your peace and keep your peace is maintaining order. Order brings peace. It's so important to understand that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14: 31- 33, the Bible says, "For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The, the spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. So order brings peace. And this is not just in a church setting. It's in life in general. Order is seen in how you organize yourself and also in how you understand authority. Right. That's why the word submission actually, uh, it's hupatazo. It's, it's ordering yourself, right, uh, under authority right? It's how you order, how you arrange yourself under authority. That's what submission is. Uh, so it's even a military term. So for example, when you've got those planes and they're all in order and you've got the footmen there and the horsemen there and everyone knows their place. This is the general. This is what he does. Okay. That's, that's a type of order. Submission is actually a type of order. Okay. And it's recognized in the spirit realm. So, it's seen in how you organize your, yourself, but it's also seen in how you understand authority. And when you can maintain order, it just brings peace. When we're going to an environment, a family setting, and we know this is the dad, this is the mom, and these are their roles, and these are the children, and children are obeying their parents, there is peace. I want to encourage you how much order is there in your home right now? The sixth thing to do to keep peace in our families is valuing a gentle and quiet spirit. Do you value a gentle and quiet spirit? Is it something valuable to you? You see, in this day and age, we don't value these things anymore, right? In 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 to 4, it says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Let me just qualify this. It's not saying it's wrong to do so, but primarily your beauty comes from the inside first and then manifests externally, okay? Because you can have all those nice things on the outside, but not be truly beautiful. It says in verse 4, Rather, it should be that of your inner self, inner beauty. The unfading beauty of what? Of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. So a gentle and quiet spirit, a peaceful spirit, is precious in God's sight. God values it. So we must value peace. If you unpack these words, the, deri- the derivative of the Hebrew word for quiet here comes from three words. Okay, shakat, shaa, and nakath right? And these words convey the following meanings. Undisturbed. Do you have an undisturbed spirit? At ease. Set on. Fixed on God. The Greek word hesuchazo or hesuchazo indicates action as one refrains from meddlesome behavior. You've got a gentle and quiet spirit. You're not meddling with other people's things and so on. You're just quiet, and this is not talking about uh, talk, being talkative. It's not a behavioral thing. It's talking about your spirit being quiet. It's the state of your spirit, man. You see, when someone is anxious, their spirit is not quiet, it's not calm. And I believe that God demonstrated through Jesus Christ how he's the God of peace. When Jesus spoke to that storm and said, Be still, and the storm went quiet. And in this day and age, in our family lives, there are storms that we are facing. And I wanna encourage you to be a steward of peace and to speak to those storms and say, be calm, be quiet, be still, be at ease. I wanna encourage you to be that person wherever you are, wherever you go, to be a peacemaker, to value peace, to value the gentle and quiet spirit. There's power in it, it's a place of warfare. Wherever you go, impart your peace where possible. The Bible tells us, be at peace as far as it is possible with all men, so important. Let's value peace and let's have peaceful homes. It's a family life booster, amen. Father God, I pray that you will help us. I pray that you take us to that place where we are stewards of peace, where we receive your peace, where we're at peace with ourselves and where we impart peace to others. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you.